Hello, I have an invitation to tea with the Queen. Yes, Emma's been expecting you. Please come in. I think that we just massively underestimate, especially as women, our own capability and awesomeness. And it, it's changed. It's changed my life completely. Yeah. Sometimes I think you go through this journey as a business owner and think you're a bit crazy. You're like, who am I to have this dream? Well, I just think women are hard on themselves. I wish I had been more confident in what I was capable of. But I feel like you do what feels right for you, then that's going to be always on brand. Women, our natural inclination is to be pleasers and to put other people before self. I love it. And neither of us spilled tea on ourselves while we did this. So we did well. Hello, I'm Emma McQueen and welcome to Tea with the Queen. Have you thought about what stops you from doing the things you want to do? Well, according to Deborah Kozowski, what often holds us back is fear. Based in Canada, Deborah is a life coach, executive coach, TEDx speaker, best-selling author, and host of the Millionaire Woman podcast. She says fear is a very powerful thing and it inhibits much of what we want to achieve. The antidote, she says, is action. She is a girl after my own heart. Even the smallest actions can lead to big results. Deborah's an inspiration to many women in North America and across the globe. I'm sure you'll get a lot out of this chat. I know I did. Hi, Deborah. Thank you so much for joining us on Tea with the Queen. I've waited and waited for this moment that you can jump on Tea with the Queen with us. Well, I'm super honoured. I've never had a Tea with the Queen before, and this is such a pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) I think you'll love it. Let's jump straight in. You have faced tragedy from an early age. If you don't mind me asking, what happened? So for me, tragedy came in a form of wanting to share a gift. And what had happened was when I was eight years old, a cousin of mine had passed away at the age of 16 in a car accident. And that Christmas, four months later... I was eight years old, hiding in the bathroom in my grandparents' house, looking at the front door, waiting for my uncle, my godfather, to come in, and I was going to give him a gift. To this day, I still don't remember what that gift was. It was only a few years ago that I remembered this memory. And I was waiting for him to come in. And it was snowing outside, the weather was bad. And I had run out and I'm like, is he here yet? Is he here yet? And I stepped out and someone put their hand on my shoulder and they said, Deborah, now is not the time to share your gifts. And what would an eight-year-old do? They go back in the bathroom. They're waiting again. The door swings open. I came running out, charge. And again, that hand went on my shoulder and said, Deborah, now is not the time to share your gifts. Now, finally, the third time when the door opened, I came running out and who I wanted to be there was there. But I was quickly escorted to the side and told, Deborah, now is not the time to share your gifts. And that eight-year-old Deborah thought that giving that gift that evening was going to change the world, my world, the world around me. And to this day, I regret that I don't even know if I gave that gift. But as I've been processing it, 
I realized that the gift was me. The gift was me. I needed to share my gifts. So now I have made it my mission in life to ensure that not only do I share my gifts, but all of those I have contact with who express that they have a talent, skill, or ability, it is my mission to help ensure that you do follow through and nobody holds you back. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. And I think it's really interesting to you that you had forgotten it, but now it's kind of come back to you. Why do you think that is the case? You know, it's very interesting because I remember the event of losing my cousin because he was very special to me. And even at eight years old, I still have the memory of going to the funeral. I remember drawing pictures as an eight-year-old. That was how I was processing. But it wasn't until 2014 when I was going through my coaching program and they said, Deb, you need to, you know, what is your signature present? Where is your why come from? And I suddenly had this flash of memory and realized that my why was, oh my gosh, I have been sharing my gifts all these years, but somehow just a little bit held back. And then as I was processing that, I also came into understanding what I told my eight-year-old self. And I had told myself, well, if you can't share a gift, you must have been doing something bad or you did something wrong. So then now I could look back at different patterns throughout my life where I held back because, or if someone had scolded me in some way, or you know, said this was their opinion without even listening to mine, the place I went to was that eight-year-old Deborah saying, hey, you must have done something bad or something wrong that you can't share your gift right now. And I don't even believe that was the intention at the time. I think it was more about the timing of the event, right? But we tell ourselves these narratives. We tell ourselves these stories. And that's how I processed it at eight years old without having the life experience. Now I can look back several years later and a lady will never reveal her age. <laughs> so uh, I, I look back several years later and I'm like, wow, what a bunch of wasted energy and potential. And even more so to let people know that what is the story that you're telling yourself about your capabilities, your potential, especially when it comes to people thinking about imposter syndrome? You know, it's that belief that we're not confident enough. We don't have the capabilities. We can't do the things that we believe we can do in our mind's eye. But the thing is, when it, if it came to you, chances are you can fulfill it. Otherwise, it wouldn't have came to you in the first place. Yeah, so true. It's so true. I want to just take a little bit of a different tact and talk to you about you've spent many years in the healthcare sector as a clinical manager. And I can imagine that that environment would be perfect training ground for leadership development. Can you tell us about that time? Yeah, absolutely. So in combination with stepping into a managerial role, I had been on the front lines and one day was approached to say, hey, you know what, I think you have leadership capability. We'd like you to apply for this job. And I had went from a casual position 
which isn't always heard of straight into management. So I skipped a few of the rungs of the ladder. And I remember there was um, a fellow manager. She said to me, you know, you're going to have to jump through some hoops. You're going to have to prove yourself. And I was like, what do you mean I need to prove myself? Because I felt that I was capable. And sometimes, you know, ignorance can be bliss because yes. I learned a lot more uh, yes. in the process. <laughs> but I... I delved into professional development. I took whatever I could on conflict management, emotional intelligence, leading others, and actually getting skilled in being a coach in the leads framework, which talks about leading self, engaging others, achieving results, developing, you know, coalitions. So, you know, collaborations, as well as looking at systems as a whole and how they work together. And, during the process, you know, you learn it's great to have these frameworks, but really it's about getting to know your people. It's getting to walk amongst your people and really take a genuine interest in what drives them, what's important to them, what's their values, and what's their vision for themselves. Because leaders need to build leaders. And it was a blessing in professional and personal development to stretch. And I still know that, you know, even stepping into the world of entrepreneurship, there's still, there's always more to learn. And things are changing so rapidly, especially in the internet space and social media. Every six to eight months, something's changed and you're needing to relearn and unlearn things. Yeah, so true. It's so true. And today you're a sought-after leadership coach, best-selling author, You're like the ultimate go-getter. How did you transition into this exciting part of your life? And is this your favorite part? Oh, you know, (laughs) every every part has something special. Um, It's who I was at the time. And uh, this is a great question, Emma. I love it. It only gets better. It only gets better. I'm one of those people since I don't even remember what age, maybe it was eight as well, that I have always have this vision that I'm going to live to 103. So I feel like I have so much more to accomplish. Not quite halfway there. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, writing the books, I it fell in, in an accidental way. I had been at a real estate conference, and I remember my first mentor, he... Uh, he was so interesting. He, I was watching him on stage and I, I said, I can do something like that. Like, how hard can that be? You know, building a list, sending out a newsletter. Boy, oh boy, did I learn. <laughs> but I went to the back that day. I went to the back of the room that day and he's like, Deb, quit overanalyzing things. Because you have that drive and hunger, I'm going to mentor you. He mentored me to create my first audio product. And when I went to a conference to sell that audio product, the first person who bought it, we actually went for coffee and we decided to author a book together. Just from authoring that book, I was like, you know what? I want to write my next book. So then I submitted this outline to the publisher and she's like, you'll have a contract by Monday. And I was like, that easy? Like, what's with that? And then when it came to my third book, I decided to self-publish it. I wanted to learn something different. And it by far is probably my favorite. And now I have to go back and, you know, rewrite or add in and make new editions of the other books. But let's be curious 
is by far my favorite because of the whole self-publishing process. Oh, I don't, I don't know why if you can get a publisher, you need, you want to go and self-publish after that. <laughs> I know. And you know what? And now in the future, I would love to go back to the publishing world. Oh, yeah, you know, but it was something I needed to do for myself. And I've already had, you know, I went to a book marketing course in New York and, you know, she saw that I had two published books and one that was self-published. And she said, you know, Deb, if you're revising those other books, let's talk because I have people I need to introduce you to and that those were other publishers. So I still have a lot of work to do and uh, to make those invites become something really special that I can build a relationship and uh, really take off with more of the writing. I remember going to a conference and this lady, you know, um, intuitive, I guess, but she came up to me and she goes, by the way, I know you think you have three books, but there's so many more books inside of you. <laughs> I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> so, I love that. Yeah. So very powerful. So powerful. And I love the book. I've got it in my hot little hands now. It's called Let's Be Curious, in case anyone's listening. And it covers so many things. From the small amount I've gotten to know you, Deborah, it almost emulates who you are. So chapter five, active listening. Chapter six, emotional intelligence and questions. And I just think it's so the book that you're meant to write. I don't know if that makes even makes sense, but that's how I feel. Yeah, it does. It's interesting that you pick up on that. My next book, actually, I have it kind of framed in my mind and a few jots on napkins right now, but it's <laughs> yeah. going to be called uh, Crossing the Finish Line. And it's a metaphor for my journey doing a marathon, but how it applies to life. So I'm now that I've said this out loud oh, um, and hey. on the air, I'm making the commitment here and now to you. There you go. Oh, I can't wait to be your accountability buddy on that one. Don't worry about that. <laughs> we'll make that happen. Yeah, yeah. Tell us what's the Millionaire Woman podcast and do you feel anyone can become a millionaire? Mm, absolutely my version. So <laughs> <Yep>. the, million, <laughs> the Millionaire Woman podcast, actually, the name was grandfathered per se or grandmothered per se, if you want to call it that. Um, several years ago, I ran a networking group called the Millionaire Woman Club, and it was where I hosted a networking meeting where there was a special guest, and I would be the facilitator of thought, asking questions of the topic of the speaker so we could get everybody to delve deeper. So I did that for about three years, and then I decided it wasn't fulfilling me the way I wanted it to grow, and I let it go for a few years. And people would say, you still got to bring back that millionaire woman. You still got to bring back that millionaire woman. And I was sitting in an audience at a conference and this gentleman was sharing how to create a podcast. And I'm like listening to him and I'm like, can't be that hard. Okay, 30 days. I can do this in 30 days. <laughs> and 30 days to the day, I launched the podcast called The Millionaire Woman Club. Well, Millionaire Woman, I don't call it a club, but it's The Millionaire Woman Podcast. And the millionaire woman is basically because I'm the host. And it is about using principles of life, leadership, and business to help people live rich from the inside out. Now, the podcast is for women and men. Men listen to it too because the content is relevant to them as well. But it truly is about helping people know that these basic principles in life 
in leadership are the principles that can help us live rich from the inside out. It starts with our internal beliefs and works outward to what that we're learning to earn, that we're creating this life that we want to live and not everybody wants to create the same life. So whatever, every time in my podcast we ask at the end is what does rich from the inside out mean to you? And every single person has a completely different definition. And it's fabulous. The last one said, you know, it's really peace of mind. At the end mm. of the day, I have peace of mind in who I am. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's lovely. That's lovely. What do you think holds women back from achieving the things they want to? I think part of what holds women back is, you know, societal pressures, cultural expectations. And I think there comes a time in every woman's life where she hits this either transition point or hits this point in her career that says, you know what, I'm made for more. I've been giving to all these other areas of my life and I know there's more in me to give, but I need to come and step back into myself to allow it to come from me. And I, I don't know, you know, for everyone listening, if you're resonating with that, but it's really connecting to yourself because often we get caught up in our identity gets tied to being mom, wife, sister, you know, all these other roles and expectations. And sometimes we lose part of what we wanted for ourselves or not even just wanted for ourselves that we're in a new place. And suddenly it's like, you know what, there's more in me. I have all these, this potential and all these ideas and I want to see if I can make them real. Deborah, how important are the people to building a successful and happy life? Oh, people are everything. You know, you want to build a foundation of people in your life who support and encourage you. And I think recently in my own personal development, what I've recognized more than anything is not only do we need that encouragement and support, but there's people in our lives who can challenge us, who can call us on our BS, who can say, hey, maybe you need to look at things a little bit differently. And then there's also people who help us reflect because that's where our greatest learning is, is reflecting on situations and saying, hey, did you notice this happen when you did this? Or have you noticed this when you do this? It's that support, challenge, and reflection that really makes a difference. And I actually learned that from a gentleman named Jazz Razul. He talks about those as being social vitamins. And it's really made me think about the people in my life, the tribe, the, you know, you, they say you're the average of the five people you hang out with. And it really makes me think about that because we can't have everybody who is exactly the same as us. Because if we didn't have those people who would challenge some of our beliefs and our assumptions, that wouldn't help us. If everybody's the same, they're not going to help us grow. They'll be similar, they'll be complimentary, and they'll get us all excited. But it's when people can help us shift our perspective and even get us to look at the world in a different way. That's when some of our greatest ideas come in because now I'm like, I'm not going to just only speak to people who are just like me. 
I'm able to open my world to people who are not just like me. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I agree. I think your vibe definitely attracts your tribe. And I also think, you know, we talk about the people that we hang out with, but does anyone really do a bit of an audit on the people that they're hanging out with? And are those people, have they been, we've been hanging out with them for a long time and maybe need to freshen it up? Or was it good to have them around for a certain especially in business for a certain reason or some certain goals that you were trying to kick. And now those goals have shifted. And so maybe the relationships have shifted, but how do you just make sure that you keep it fresh? Sometimes it's about doing something totally different. You know, I have a exercise group that I'm a part of and every Saturday we do stairs. Well, we did 75 hard together um, I think I, we talked about it yes, on my podcast. We did. I was, I'm, I'm dying to know, have you finished that thing? Because that sounded <laughs> super hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We did it uh, last year and we're going to do it again in 2022, starting January 3rd till March 19th. So we're going to be on it again. And uh, we've done marathons together. So even in business, if there's a way to collaborate in a different way, bring in different partners, bring in different ideas, join into a mastermind where both of the individuals or group of people are having a way to expand. Because when we're growing together and learning together, those relationships can flourish. It's when they get stagnant and we're not growing and learning together anymore. That's when, you know, this is where the struggle comes in because the value of continuous learning isn't the same. Or one person's going farther ahead than the other. And that's where they're having a struggle with their values. Yes, right, right. So it's not necessarily about you can stick with the same people for years and years and years as long as you're you're all wanting to grow or you're all wanting kind of going in the same direction, yeah? Yeah. And I think they fall off mm. when their interests change. Yes. Right? Maybe what they were once passionate about, they're not passionate about anymore. And that's a normal flux and flow of the way the world works because people can change their passions. Sometimes they're no longer passionate about what they once were or their goals change. And then it just makes room for new ideas and new people to come in at different times. Yeah, perfect. What advice would you give anyone who's listening who needs a little bit of inspiration just to get things done and be the best version of themselves? One of the biggest things that's, and it's very important to me, is actions speak louder than words. And to know that if we're resistant to something, that resistance is based on fear. And to really dig down and see what are we truly afraid of? And is it the imposter syndrome that we're going to be found out that we don't think we're good enough? Maybe we think we're not deserving enough. Or maybe we think we're not worthy of the success that's possible for us. And there's also this belief that, you know, and it seems silly, but people do do it that, you know, I can't outshine a sibling. I can't outshine, you know, or make more than my mom and dad ever did. Because, oh my goodness, what would that look like if I had more? No one ever said that you couldn't share. No one yes. ever said that you couldn't, you know, make the world a little bit easier for them or invite them and share what you have, you know. So really to take a look at where you catch yourself stopping yourself from moving forward because often fear is the culprit and fear is a very stubborn and we want to make fear our ally because fear isn't necessarily a bad thing. 
fear activates the amygdala part of our brain. So we're always scanning for danger. Our brain is taught to protect us. So that's a good thing. It's wanting to make sure we're safe, but it's when we're not in danger that we still allow that part of us to get activated without thinking what's possible for me. So whenever you're in fear, the best antidote for fear is action. And not just to talk about it, but actually put action behind your words. And people will notice that even the smallest actions can lead to big results. And it's consistency that makes the biggest difference. I feel like you're speaking my language, sister. (laughs) (laughs) We are sisters. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on Tea with the Queen. I hope you've had fun. And I can't wait for you to come down under. It's going to be awesome. The only thing that would be better is to actually have tea with you (laughs) in the down under. (laughs) Don't worry. When you come down under, we'll have tea. (laughs) We will. We will. Thank you, Deb. Thank you for having me, Emma. This is a treat. That's it for this episode of Tea with the Queen. If you want to contact me directly, all my details are at my website, emmamcqueen.com.au. I look forward to your company next episode. I'm Emma McQueen. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for coming.